Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Today we're going to start a series of programs examining the six processes of ACT which seem to be critical in helping people to become psychologically flexible when challenges arise. These processes for flexibility are uh, being in the present moment rather than being in the past or future, uh, taking steps in valued directions, which means being in contact to what is important to you, rather than taking steps in things that are maybe important to others or, or what you think you should be doing. Uh, the third is acceptance of what actually is, um, rather than being in uh, resistance or avoiding avoidance of what is. And fourth is a word called diffusion, which is really a made-up word. And it means... To become aware that you have thoughts and feelings, but you are not those thoughts and feelings. So you could say you're defusing yourself uh, from your thoughts. Uh, committed action or persistency uh, is a, a critical process, as opposed to knowing what you need to do, but uh, actually not going through going through with it. Um, and last but not least is something called self is context. Now, self in context and the present moment are very closely related to each other. And self is context means noticing that there is a you that observes thoughts coming and going, feelings that come and go, sensations arising and falling. And this you is always larger than any of the content of your mind or feeling. So these two processes, self as context and the present moment, is something we're going to talk about in this program today. Today's guest uh, is an act expert uh, and someone who has spent considerable amount of her life examining this question of self as context and the present moment. This is Dr. Lindsay Fletcher. Lindsay Fletcher Hardy is a postdoctoral fellow at the Con Counseling Center at the University of Nevada in Reno. Uh, she completed her doctoral training with Steve Hayes, who is the founder of ACT, and is focused on integrating formal practice of mindfulness in ACT protocols. So I want to welcome you, Lindsay. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning. Here it's not morning in Sweden, but you are nine hours away from here. That's right. Lindsay, uh, since I saw you last, you have become a mom, mm. and you have a one-year-old son. 
That's right. <laughs> I bet that's challenged a lot of your uh, ideas of being in the here and now and self as context. That's very true. It's been a real, um, real opportunity for figuring out how to keep my practice alive while also having um, many new responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it true, too, Lindsay, that uh, children also help you to get into the here and now? Very true. That's very true. There's um, so many moments when, um, you know, he really, in in his own way, asks me to, to put down my to-do list or put down my email and, um, and learn to just play and, and just be with him. Mm. And seeing the world through a child's eyes is like seeing it for the first time. So true. Yeah, and just watching him change every single day, it's this amazing reminder of um, just how things are constantly changing and evolving. Mm. Yeah. So so tell, tell the radio listeners, Lindsay, what got you interested in this subject of um, mindfulness and being in the here and now and self as context? So I really dove into this uh, in my early 20s. My mother died of cancer when I was 22 years old and I had just graduated from college. And I realized that I just had no idea how to feel what there was to feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly felt numb. Uh, and then when I did feel grief, it was very overwhelming, and I would quickly do things to try to push it away, and I just felt very uncomfortable. What kind of things? The- what kind of things did you try to do? Um, well, I think, you know, on one level, just internally pushing it away. You know, just sort of telling myself, "Don't feel that right now." Just, mm-hmm. um, you know, pushing away. Tears, especially if I was in front of other people, it felt very vulnerable and scary to uh, allow those feelings to come up. Mm-hmm. And um, and then just keeping myself busy mm-hmm. with work and uh, and um, interacting with friends. And, and of course, to a certain degree, I think that's healthy. Mm-hmm. But I also realized that it was very, very hard for me to feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, um, I think I somehow recognized that there, there was a need to just be with what was coming up and really learn how to do that without distraction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd read a little bit about Buddhism and meditation and, um, but not really practiced mm-hmm. before so um, I started started going to meditation retreats and um, practicing uh, every day and um, and and also was very influenced by practices of acceptance um, emotional acceptance mm-hmm. um, but understanding the need to to be present with what was arising and um, Mm-hmm. And to apply, apply compassion and acceptance to to what what I was feeling and mm-hmm. to myself. Mm-hmm. 
That that sounds like a, a lot of wisdom for a young person out of college to understand that. That's uh, that's something I probably young people are. I mean, the culture teaches us uh, to use alcohol or even drugs or uh, and distract yourself. I mean, they're just mass is a way to distract yourself mm-hmm. as a young person. So true. I know. Um, yeah, and I certainly did a lot of those things, um, certainly. Uh, but it, it is interesting looking back now and, and sort of wondering where that that uh, idea came from. But mm-hmm. I was very motivated, and, um, I, and I actually went to Thailand in 2000, 2003 and spent nearly a month in silent retreat at a monastery. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was also very, very powerful uh, to have that that container of the retreat for um, for 28 days, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and and to really be committed to allowing all of the different um, I want to say different characters to to come up at different times and and learn to just stay. Mm-hmm. And and did that help you, Lindsay, to to do those 28 days in this period? Did you could you feel? Um, your own grief and Mm. yeah actually towards the end um part of the retreat was to do three days of very very intense practice with um hardly sleeping at all and uh, just meditating around the clock Mm -hmm. and i at that point um really intensifies everything that has been everything that is uh happening and so I experienced a lot of grief at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is something that's um, to, to just sit still with what you're feeling. Uh, it's this seems to be the opposite of what we're doing in our culture. What, what kind of a problem is this lack of sitting still? In do you see in our culture today? What kind of problem do you see this? So another important experience that I had during the meditation retreat uh, that really showed me the value of of being able to bring the mind back to the present moment um, happened when I got very physically ill. I was um, I was throwing up. I had diarrhea at the same time, mm-hmm. and um, just felt just about as bad as I've ever felt in my life physically. And um, having had a couple of weeks of intense practice leading up to that point, I could really clearly see how every time my mind wandered from the present moment, there was so much more suffering about um, you know, worrying about what was causing this and if mm-hmm. I was, you know, if horrible things were going to happen because of it and so on, my mind would just go down that path and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. being able bring myself back to the present moment, sometimes just by staring at a spot on the wall, mm-hmm. was extremely helpful because in that moment, all that was happening was, was just just throwing up. And, and mm-hmm. actually, that is uh, much easier <laughs> to deal with. Not pleasant, but it, it wasn't nearly as bad as, as all the suffering that came, came from the mind wandering. Lindsay, I'd like to to stay there a minute and talk about what you what you're saying here because um, sometimes I think that uh, we tell people uh, who, who are physically sick, it, um, 
you know, try not to think about it too much. You know, to, uh, try to um, uh, think about something else or think about something positive. Or um, and I and I wonder sometimes if if we're afraid that um, you know, sort of like a hypochondriac, that if people start thinking too much about you know their bodies or their illness, and they'll become obsessive. And and I think what you're saying is is really really different. That by actually if that what we call hypochondria is more being in the head, right? And what you're mm-hmm. saying is being actually present in your physical sensations that you can feel with your five senses. Exactly. Yeah, I think with the idea of, you know, think of something positive or don't think about what you're, what you're feeling, that's really staying at a very cognitive level, mm-hmm. sort of trying to replace one thought with another thought. Mm-hmm. as opposed to really connecting with what's happening in the present moment is about expanding your sense of awareness. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. really your sense of who you are so that it's something much more vast and um, also connecting with with compassion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I think arises when you connect with that space. And would you say, for example... Um you know, in there's this studies here in Sweden that women, especially, uh, do do not get treated appropriately for a heart attack as compared to men, because they um, they seem to be unclear about the way they describe their symptoms. Do you think if you were actually very present with what was going on and learned to to be com- compassionate and present with what your body is doing, that it that it might make it clearer for us to communicate? Mm. That's certainly possible. Um, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me that if, if you can take even just a few moments to stop and, and really observe what's happening, mm-hmm. uh, you know, allowing yourself to, to detach, again, even just for a few moments, um, then you're connecting with a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that could be helpful then for being able to be descriptive about what's actually happening versus what your mind is giving you about what's happening or what might might come later. Yeah, yeah. So, Lindsay, tell us about um, when you got into this, how much of a problem is it that, that we're not in the here and now, that we're in the future or the past? Yeah, I think that this is both a human problem and also a cultural problem. Mm-hmm. And I say it's a human problem because it's, it's just the nature of mind to think, mm-hmm. uh, to wander, to ruminate, and um, and that thinking mind right away takes us away from the present moment and into the past and into the future. Mm-hmm. And thinking mind has evolved for very good reasons. It can be very useful to us. Um, but the, the Buddha identified um, back in his time that the nature of of being alive is, is also to suffer. And he was really pointing to this, this way that we, that minds work. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, as I mentioned, there's, there's a cultural problem, I believe, where, where we've become very focused in Western society on doing, mm-hmm. on achieving, on creating a sense of who we are mm-hmm. through what we do. And that there's very little training for just being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And so I think many people as a result are really terrified by the idea of just sitting and not doing anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really fascinating because we're afraid to just be with ourselves for any period of time. That's exactly my experience, Lindsay, of uh, being at meditation camp is um, that's the point that you you cannot escape from yourself and your usual ways of doing that. And that's that's what's so helpful to actually uh, to sit quietly with yourself and discover uh, self-compassion about what happens in me and uh, becoming friends with yourself. It's, it's certainly an act, a very courageous act, uh, because when you, when you sit, you can't escape from, from yourself in the, the way that you can um, when we're just engaged with the world and doing our habitual, our habitual patterns of avoidance that, you know, I think very often we're not even really aware of all the ways that we, we try to avoid uh, discomfort, we try to avoid those parts of ourselves that are very, very difficult to look at. Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, Lindsay, um, this actually, um, uh, I just had a program with David Sloan Wilson, uh, who um, is an evolutionist, and he talks about, he, he wrote this project called The Neighborhood Project. Have you heard of that? I heard of it, yeah. Yeah, and um, you'd probably be interested as you know you think about schooling for your own son, that uh, he talks about just what you're saying that uh, our Western culture places a lot of um, uh, value on doing and achieving and uh, grades and that type of thing. Whereas in, in human history, uh, formal education actually has never existed. Mm. And that, wow. that, that uh, but sitting still and um, uh, watching and meditating and playing it's, it's been how you learn things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so so interesting that um, that our you know our educational system now I think is so uh, and I, I'm not an expert in this area but it's um, certainly very focused on on individuality mm-hmm. you know on being better than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think it fosters this sense of separateness mm-hmm. that most of us experience. Yeah, which is not being in the here and now, right? No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's really based on um, an idea of oneself of being uh, defined by certain roles, uh, by certain traits, um, even defined by how we look, by our appearance. And, um, and all of those, those characteristics, when we really identify with them as being who we are, um, it creates a sense of, of us being solid and separate from other people. And, and that, I think, can be, um, can be really harmful. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is a problem. So, Lindsay, you, you um, have worked a lot on trying to bring the here and now through mindfulness and meditation practice in, in the ACT model. So how, how, uh, how does this fit into ACT? So ACT is, uh, as you, our audience may or may not know, it's a mindfulness-based therapy. And so a lot of emphasis has been placed on uh, informal mindfulness practices 
and also certain exercises in session uh, that, that I think are very helpful. Um, I also believe that there's nothing that can replace the experience of simply sitting in silence for a mm -hmm. period of time. Mm -hmm. So whether that's five minutes or an hour, mm -hmm. um, there's nothing like not doing anything <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to provide the experience of really training the, the, the skill of being present with um, what's happening in the here and now. So in ACT, um, as you said in the beginning, two of the processes that are really trained that, um, you know, that we look at as uh, important processes for psychological flexibility are present moment awareness mm -hmm. and self as context. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, you really can't build those skills very effectively without setting aside the time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's sort of like, you know, setting aside the time to go to the gym and really work that muscle. Mm -hmm. uh, just it's probably not going to happen unless you know your job happens to be um you know one where you're working that particular muscle all day long mm -hmm. so, so so it does yeah. require practice yeah yeah so, uh, Lindsay, uh, how would I, i'm curious what this would look like if you were um if you were to meet a client could we role play just a few minutes of how you would approach someone using uh this type of this aspect of here and now in self its context how would like how that what that would look like practically sure um, so would you like to be the client yeah I could be the client I can be uh let's say uh, say I'm a college student and I'm uh, a little stressed right now and uh, worried about what's going on so I come to you uh, anxious mm-hmm so how are you how are you feeling today? I'm so glad I met you Lindsay because I I just feel this incredible anxiety. I I don't I don't know what to do with myself. I mean I you know I have so many uh, tests coming up and then I you know I'm having these relationships problems and my friends are you know want me to do all these things and I just feel so stressed out and I don't know what to I don't know where to start. I'm even procrastinating, which I've never <laughs> done before. Well, let's just slow down for a moment um, and and just get grounded in what you're experiencing right now. So would you be willing to do that with me? Yeah, I'll do anything. Okay. So first, just take a moment to notice that your feet are firmly planted on the floor. Mm -hmm. And notice points of contact with the chair. Okay. Okay. And what do you notice as you bring your attention into your body? Can you describe to me what you're experiencing? Um, my heart is racing. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm breathing. Uh, yeah. Too fast. <laughs> So you notice that there's also a judgment, perhaps, about what's going on in your body. That uh, yeah, I, yeah, I know stress isn't good for you. Mm -hmm. 
And so it can be helpful to also notice that there's what's happening in the present moment. There's your heart beating fast. Uh, there's places where you feel tension. And, and then there's also what the mind is saying about it, that the mind is beating too fast, that you know, I have too much to do. And, and very quickly you can start going down that road. Um, yeah. Yeah, do you notice that? Yeah, yeah, that's what I notice that I do when I'm trying to sleep, the same thing. Uh, that I start, you know, <laughs> there's one thing I feel bad, and then I start criticizing myself for, you know, being so stupid to be doing it. So it's just no end. So then you're also really judging yourself for what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing right now is something very simple that you can apply when you notice this anxiety coming up, which is to take a moment to tune into what's happening here and now in your body. Mm-hmm. And then I, I can teach you a very simple practice that'll also help to train your ability to, to allow those judgments and thoughts to be there. Uh, and also to bring your attention back to the present moment. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And so this very simple practice is uh, simply to bring your attention to your breath. And so you can do that right now if you're mm-hmm. willing. And then with each out breath to count. So starting at one. Mm-hmm. And then building up to ten. Okay, so uh, uh, count with each out breath. So with each out-breath, count using a number, starting with one. Out loud or? Oh, to yourself. Okay. Okay. Silently to yourself. Good question. And when you get to 10, you can start over at 1. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll tell you that most people won't make it to 10 even. Mm-hmm. So they'll notice very quickly that the mind starts to wander. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so it's not a problem. So often what happens is we very quickly judge that process. Mm-hmm. And so rather than judging, we can use this as an opportunity simply to notice that this is what minds do mm-hmm. and to very, very gently bring our mind back to the breath. But only after that thought or that emotion has lost its, uh, its hold on you. So we don't need to get in a struggle around it. Mm-hmm. But just a very gentle returning to the breath. Thank you, Lindsay. That was very helpful to see how you work with that. I'm sure that's much more useful than than letting people go on and on and and the, yeah. tell you about how stressed they are <laughs> to get them quiet. Lindsay, we're getting uh, towards the end of the program. Um, did you have an example of someone that you have worked with that you've worked with this here and now and uh, exercise? Yeah. 
So I have a, a client who who had a problem about becoming very, very focused on on um, on health problems and imagining that she had some sort of health problem. Um, so, it, for example, if she started to feel anxious about something and notice that heart pounding that you were um, describing with the role play, uh, she might start thinking, oh, my gosh, I have a heart problem. Mm-hmm. And then this would... Uh, build and build to the point where she would actually fairly regularly go to the ER um, to have it checked out. Um, sometimes it was a panic attack, but that sometimes it wasn't. So this wasn't just a panic uh, disorder. This was someone who was very obsessed mm-hmm. with um, with whether she had health issues. Um, and, and every time, of course, she was checked out, and and um, they wouldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I did something very similar with her um, that we just did in the role play. And I was really amazed, I have to admit, at how, how quickly it um, helped her. Mm-hmm. Because she, she did a really wonderful job of, of applying that practice uh, when these anxious thoughts would come up and then they would start to build. And she actually had the presence of mind to remember, which is a huge part of this. Mm-hmm. To remember to, uh, rather than react, to take 10 minutes, she decided to, to, to take 10 minutes to just sit and practice and follow her breath. Mm-hmm. And so she wasn't intentionally doing anything to stop the thoughts or think of something different. Uh, she was just just focusing on the breath. And by the end of the 10 minutes, um, she was she was able to have enough perspective on the thoughts that she didn't feel anymore like she needed to act on them and go to the emergency room. Would, would you say that, Lindsay, that what, what you did there is that you, um, rather than uh, act uh, like a slave uh, reacting to an impulse, that you create a little bit of space by asking them to be in the here and now so they make a space between you know the, the thought that they have to react and the actual action I think, yeah, I think that's exactly what happens. That, that this, as I said earlier, just it can be as short as just a pause mm-hmm. uh, to check in, and, and that amount of space can be the difference. Yeah. It's almost like that you, that you um, get access to a little more wisdom there. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe this isn't the smartest thing for me to do. It seems like... Impulses are rarely, rarely very smart. <laughs> I agree with that, and I think this is also a way that this practice connects with self as context, because I think there is a lot of wisdom when we connect with ourself as something greater than our immediate thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can recognize that we, who we are, is is really an observer of those thoughts and feelings. That there's many, many more choices. Mm-hmm. Which you don't see if you're, if you're reduced and feel threatened often and uh, acting in, in resistance. Lindsay, we've come to the end of the program. Could you give our radio listeners any advice about um, getting into the here and now? Mm. I think the main thing is to really practice every day and to set aside 
maybe starting with five minutes if you're brand new to um, a formal mindfulness practice. And by formal, I mean, you know, really sitting for five minutes and observing the breath and observing the thoughts and feelings that arise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but doing that consistently is, is really the only way I know of to make this a part of your everyday experience. Mm-hmm. And, and doing that, I think, can be um, can be difficult. It's a it's a commitment. It means prioritizing yourself and time with yourself. Mm-hmm. Sort of like having a date with yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so it's a I think it's a practice in self compassion that uh, that we feel that it's important enough to spend time with ourselves. That's sounds good. Thank you so much for being on the program today, Lindsay. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be with you. You've been listening to Dr. Lindsay Fletcher. Uh, Lindsay Fletcher Hardy is a postdoctoral fellow at the Counseling Center at the University of Nevada at Reno. Uh, Lindsay has com- completed her doctoral training with Steve Hayes, the founder of ACT. And Lindsay, as I know her, uh, has been focusing many years on integrating formal mindfulness practice meditation in ACT protocols. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website button in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. You may also see her books, The Art of Science of Valuing in Psychotherapy, Living Beyond Pain, Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy to Ease Chronic Pain, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy for Chronic Pain, Values in Action, and Epilepsy, a Behavior Medicine Approach to Assessment and Treatment in Children. All of these are found easily by clicking the cover or going to Amazon.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope.